Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Nobody goes this far with coverage of yesterday's games. We came here for a mission. The ride has blanketed the NFL with many hills, four deep thoughts. And the coverage is now four deep. Four deep thoughts. You could have had 25 deep thoughts on this one, Manny Hill. It's yeah. going to be tough to reduce it to four. It was it was very tough to because uh, I had about eight or nine in mm-hmm. all in all actuality, but uh, I, I narrowed it down to four, and and the fourth one is uh, pretty funny and. One that I probably enjoyed the most. <laughs> All righty, what do we have? Number one. Meanwhile, third down and five here. And now you got to flip back here to Danny Amendola, who throws, and it's Brady who can't haul it in. Fourth and goal. Uh-oh. And they're going to snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. Yeah, Tom Brady kind of uh, had a little sieve there on that uh, mm-hmm. throw from Amendola, and the Eagles come right back, and Foles uh, does the right thing. He actually catches it for a touchdown. But when Tom Brady, 40-year-old Tom Brady, is wide open, you should throw it to exactly where he's standing. Right. Don't you, you can't, you can't don't expect him, him to stretch out don't and try to make a catch. Yeah. Just throw it there. He'll catch it. And if he's not going to be able to go in the end zone, he'll run out of bounds and not get hit. So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the play works, but the fact that they made him make a football move <laughs> uh, was, uh, you know, you 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 got to throw it exactly where it is, not not where he's leading. Have you got, have falls, he's only 29. He could run and catch that. Have you guys watched any right. of that Tom versus Time video on Facebook Live, or have you guys have seen any of it? I've only seen a little so bit. So there's one. The first thing I thought of when that play happened, there's mm-hmm. one where they're all training in some mountainous region in Montana, or wherever they're training. And it's him and a bunch of the wide receivers, Amendola, Edelman, and a bunch of other guys. And he's ripping one of the guys for kind of dogging it a little bit. He's like, come on, that's not championship play. And, mm-hmm. and the running back goes, you know, bleep you. You aren't running. He's like, that ain't my bleeping job. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Well, it's interesting it's, because. Are, do we have profanities? In oh, yeah. Uh, but it, most of it's uh, edited out. Okay, but it's great. Right. He likes to use the big one, too. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. What's interesting, too, is the Patriots had ran that play a couple of years ago in the regular season. That same mm-hmm. play where Amendola rolled out yeah. and threw it to Brady wide open. 
they had run it against the Eagles in the regular season really? in like 2015. Yeah. Did it work? It worked, yeah, that because time. Amendola threw a perfect pass to Brady. Okay. He didn't have to stretch out and well, catch it Well, it was, uh, I'll tell you one thing. You're, you're probably going to get to this point, so we'll, I'll just hang in there for a minute. Number two. Clement flares out to the right. Caught over the middle and into the end zone. Zach Ertz for the touchdown. And again, all you can think back to now is the Jesse James play with Pittsburgh. Does he complete the process? I don't know. I think he was running and diving for the end zone, but what constitutes going to the ground, it's always close. It's subjective. Now, everybody was getting on Al Michaels and Collinsworth mm-hmm. for, you know, discussing the cat, even yes. with the Clement touchdown and everything, yeah. too. My thing is, can you blame them? Yeah, right. Who can knows? you blame them? Right. I mean, yeah. th- this rule has become such a farce now that you, you, I mean, it got to the point where Collinsworth last night was like, I give up. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, you, we don't know what a catch is anymore. And everybody's ripping on them for not knowing what these rules are, but nobody knows what the rules are. It's, well, it's so confusing. The, the difference in this case is Ertz ran it into the end zone yes. and then somehow, for some reason, went to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. He didn't He didn't go to the ground outside in the end zone. and uh, Right. Uh, I mean, he ran it He ran it into the end. Yeah, he did. He, he But once... It was a touchdown he, he and there was no doubt it was a, a touchdown. Runner. He made himself a runner, right. supposedly. But the fact that we have to spend all this time, did he make himself a runner or not? Were you right. guys Just, prepared, too, for Gene Serator to come on and give us the 94-minute oh, yeah, explanation? Yeah, he didn't do he didn't do well, much of that. I, I didn't see an index card. I wanted an index card. <laughs> but uh, I think Clement was the Clement one was more controversial because the balls, yeah. you know, they, this the whole thing. Moving, but yep. the, how's the ball not going to move? But you know, I think they were both touchdowns, and yes. I think I think it was the start of the NFL trying to make what looks like a touchdown be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. I think. Don't you think Goodell and the boy? I think I heard Judge say this today. Don't you think Goodell sent somebody down to talk to these guys and say, if it looks like a touchdown, call it a, it a, touchdown, call it a touchdown and get this over with? Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. All right. Thought number three. I don't know. They gave up on I guess I wasn't playing good or they didn't feel comfortable. I don't know. You know what I mean? I could have I could have changed that game though. Now what's the latest we're hearing on uh, Malcolm Butler now? Brandon Browner. Okay. Said that uh We've had other guys involved with weed who didn't play, and uh, and and he said once I, he got in trouble for having Popeyes in his room. Uh, apparently, I'm not sure. If he didn't specifically say Butler did, mm-hmm. but now the word's out that that had to be something like that, didn't it? Probably. Yeah, but you can't be that stubborn, you know. I know it's it's just I I get it. Shouldn't have been doing it if 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 that was the case. Shouldn't yeah, have been doing. But we do cares. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's the and Super you, Bowl. And you need him. Yes. But this was clearly I think, you needed him. This last was night. clearly an example of Belichick wanting to be smarter than everybody else. Like last year, they won it without Gronk, and yeah. I'm, I mm-hmm. I guarantee he was thinking, well, I'll show this kid we can win the Super Bowl without you. Either I guarantee that that's what it was. You should get him a Joe T-shirt. Checked out. Checked out. <laughs> yeah, I I think he's gone. 
Yeah, well, he's a free agent. He's going to be a free agent. I think so. I, I, no, not Malcolm Brown. I think Belichick's going to Oh, what? Belichick. Wait, you can't gone. drop a bombshell like oh, that. I think he's going to. Oh, my. That's a scolding hot Josh sports Mc, take. Why do you think Josh McDaniels is uh, supposedly staying? Supposedly now. stepping back from going to Indianapolis. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, well, that's what happened. That was, it, the, I think. I don't know. Rappaport or one of them was. Florio threw it out last night. Tweeting yesterday that yeah. he's uh, he's delaying uh, going to accepting the, to the position. The really? Yes. And I don't know. He just he looked different, didn't he? Yeah. Well, and and it just you know you go back to the Garoppolo thing that that might have really ticked him off, and yeah. you know I mean. I don't know. With Belichick, it's hard, it's hard to get a read on him, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's yeah. done. Plus, at this point, I mean, what else is there left for him to achieve? I mean, I get that he could still win us another Super Bowl. I, I get all that, but he's going to go down as the best yeah, coach no, in the history no, of the but, game. But I think it's because if he leaves, it's not going to be because he feels like he's accomplished all he can. He leaves, it's going to be because he's mad at Kraft. Yeah, you know, for the Garoppolo thing, leave. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, thought number four. I'll say this. We're very lucky to have this guy a part of this team. I've been drinking. I'm, <laughs> I'm on cloud nine. Celebration early. No, I'm, I started the celebration early. We got a great unit. We got a great team. We got a great defensive line. I'm standing behind you. I don't want you to fall off the stage. Wait, get off me! Wait, I'm not. I'm not drunk. Get off of me! Who is this? I'm having a good time. Get off of me. That was Kevin Hart. It was Kevin Hart. Oh, okay. <laughs> NFL, Die had, Hart Eagles fan. Yes, because he's from Philadelphia. Yeah. They now, had Fletcher Cox I, I up on the... I saw a tape of a, a security guard not what, letting him go where he wanted yes. to go. But he must. He got up to the... He got up to the... They they had on NFL Network, they had Fletcher Cox up on the okay. on the panel talking with Dion and Chris Rose and those mm-hmm. guys and... Kevin Hart sort of uh, crashed that party oh, okay. as well, and was like, he's so a little he intoxicated, it, to say the least. There. Okay, well, he wasn't alone, and uh, they're proud of their behavior because they didn't really—they just burned small objects and turned over a car and tore down a, you know, the front of the Ritzes, the the, the canopy, canopy. I saw was, somebody tweet out. That. I don't think they really burned anything. Well, somebody got down in his hands and knees and ate some horse poop. Yeah, yeah. that would have yes. been the most disgusting thing of all time. Well, maybe that was. Kind of an an olive branch over the fan that punched the police horse. Well, did a fan did a couple steal a horse or not? I was reading a tweet what? and it sounded like a satire. It sounded like satire. Oh, I didn't hear the. Supposedly they were sending out reports on the this, this couple that stole one of the police oh horses my God. and were driving down. But I don't oh think that goodness. one happened. I well, think that was BS. Somebody apparently too. I saw somebody tweet out that a fan jumped off a, a light. Pole and like landed on his head and was oh, like good. unconscious. I like that. Yeah, I like that. All right, yeah. all right. We'll be back. Maureen Bosch, the head of the uh, CEO of the Super Bowl host committee here in the Twin Cities, and they they got their law. They got their plaudits today from the commissioner and everybody else at the traditional morning after uh, press conference. Maureen Bosch was hired as the uh, CEO of the Super Bowl host committee here in November of 2014. And all these months later, well, it's not over because you got to wrap everything up, but the game is done and the folks have left town and uh, you got to be both relieved and happy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a very fun project. 
So, Maureen, uh, when the Super Bowl was here in 1992, uh, 26 years ago, the it was about 10% of what it is now in, as an event. Uh, I mean, as, as far as crazy it is. But I, as I recall, we kind of fought the idea of winter back then. And I this time around, it seemed like the host committee made the decision to celebrate the fact that it was going to be winter. Well, you certainly can't hide February, and it came out on cue and showed us what it does. So we were glad we, we took that approach, and it seemed the colder it got, the more people that came out. <laughs> so the, it, it, the Berkebiner Bridge down on Nicollet Mall, when did that idea surface? When did that idea surface that this was going to be a gathering place, kind of a wintry thing? And, of course, when Levi LaValle did the flip there, there had to be 20,000 people down on the mall the way it Wasn't looked. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, so when, when, who, where did that idea come from, and, uh, and how far back uh, were you working on that one? Well, we, we decided to celebrate winter almost from the very start. Uh, but we debated between Loring Park and Nicollet Mall, and we decided on Nicollet Mall because it was newly redone and it was more adjacent to the NFL or the Super Bowl experience, yes. which was in the convention center. So we we thought, in many ways, both of them are wonderful sites, um, but we thought Nicollet Mall was, was more front and center. And so then we decided to program it, and when... We talked to the Lopa. They said, well, we'd love to do skiing and ski joring and the things we do, but we need a hill. And so we knew people, actually my brother, at oh. the uh, Birkenbinder. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> and his, he's not he's on uh, uh, part of it, but he yeah. asked the CEO, Ben, and, and they said, sure, if you can get it down, <laughs> we'd love to be part of it. I read something. You you transported the thing in the middle of the night, right, uh, to disrupt yeah. traffic as little as possible and installed it then? It's 12 semis. 12 oh, really? semis it took to get it. And a team of engineers, because it is a bridge. Mm -hmm. um, but it was well worth it. Everyone loved it. And it allowed us not to close the street because cars could drive under it. Oh yeah, that was uh, it was incredible. What struck me just looking at the video of that was the age of the crowd that was watching <laughs> events there. I mean, you I've always said the success of the Minnesota Wild is hooking into the families, you know, the yeah. the, and you you had the 25-year-old kids looking for a party hanging out down there, and that's a very coveted audience there. Absolutely. And that was our goal was to design something for all ages. And it was fun to see uh, the 25-year-olds loving it as much as the 55-year-olds and um, the little kids, too. And so we tried to incorporate something for everyone. The music on the ice stage that Jimmy Jam and Cherry Lewis put together was outstanding and really appealed to a broad demographic also. And very noble musicians there hanging out in that cold weather. Now, you had a little, you had a, you had a little shelter for them, but it had to be cold. Oh my goodness! And they were troopers. They were troopers, but they had uh, they had so much fun. We turned the old J.B. Hudson inside Dayton's into kind of a very ad hoc green room, so they could come in and get warm. And it turned into this very organic, fun spot. And they all know each other. It was like having a reunion of the Minnesota Sound every night. Uh, and then they they you know they let people in there to talk to them, and it became a very special place. 
Maureen Bosch is with us. Uh, another thing that I seem different, we were so paranoid about our Super Bowl visitors in 1992, but this was even more so to me. I mean, you, you wanted stuff for the visitors, but even more so, this seemed to be for Minnesotans. Absolutely. We designed it for the first six days. We wanted it to be our event, and people came out in droves, and it gave us a nice test of how crowds um, moved and where they they bottlenecked and so on. And um, then our guests came in uh, pretty heavy duty in, uh, or in uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sure. and we were able to handle it. And even when it snowed, people loved standing out there <laughs> and watching the music. It was just hysterical. And that zip line across the Mississippi sold out in an hour. I was going to so ask you So we do that. like winter. <laughs> yes. The, uh, but the NFL, you know, when people came downtown for the NFL experience in 92, they went back. But, you know, they went back home. They went the NFL experience and went back home. You had them staying around downtown after they went through the NFL experience is what my impression was. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, um, we, we had wanted to end the concerts at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, depending on the night. And everybody stayed till the very end. One night we ended late because the board, the music board, froze. <laughs> and we had to thaw it out before we could start. And the musicians, they were such troopers. They they just said, okay, well, we'll wait till it thaws, and then we'll go out. And um, so it was really fun. And then people would hang around, and I understand the restaurants and the bars did some great business. And we were able to um, accommodate everyone. So where did the zip line idea come from? And uh, first time it was brought up, they'd say, what are we going to do when somebody falls in the river? Uh, I mean, what, what, <laughs> what, where did that idea come from? Well, they did have a plan for that, just in case. But, yes. Um, it actually came from the Minneapolis Park Board. Okay. It was their idea, and um, we just, from the minute they said it, we thought it was fabulous. It would, took a long time to find the land um, it, that we could use and that uh, could be approved as safe and so on. And um, they worked with us every step of the way. They were absolutely fabulous. And um so it just worked out. I think they should do it every year. Yeah, I was just going to say, how many people rode the zip line? Do you know, ten thousand. Ten thousand. That was your limit, huh? And yeah. and how it was up for a week. It was. You, yep, it was up for ten days. I agree. It this could. is not the la- so a thousand a day, basically, huh? Yeah, yeah. This wasn't the last we're going to see of the zip line. I don't think. No, I think we'll see it. I think we'll see it another time. And we would have even extended the hours, and we could have, but. The team came in from that runs it came in from Whistler, Canada, and um, they could only spare so many people. It was just these people are experienced in doing this and uh, in, in altitudes right. up there or something like that. Right. It's it's you know you have to know how to harness people in and it's very safety oriented and um, we had you know it, it it's it's very much like. Um, uh, you know, air traffic control. You can only do it so many hours, and then you become ineffective. Yeah. And we well, had a lot of we had a lot of people on there, and a lot of um, prominent people. We didn't want to lose anybody. But so we had mascots uh, and you're, there are always requirements to have gathering places. You, uh, of course, worked at the Ball of America for years mm-hmm. since 1990. Now you got to figure out a place to put the teams, and you got to figure out a, the NFL. Obviously, wasn't involved a great a 
with this, but who came Absolutely. up with the idea of being able to use the two hotels at the Mall of America for the teams and then uh, fit the radio row and everything and the media in there? That uh, that was genius, I think. Well, you know, this had to be an indoor-outdoor Super Bowl. We had yes. to use indoor spaces like we did on Nicollet Mall as well as outdoor. And the mall was so generous with their space. And so from the onset, we knew we wanted to put a good portion of um, what used to be called Media, media Row, or Radio Row, now yeah. called Media Row. And um, it was perfect for them. Plus, it allowed the general public to watch, which doesn't happen in every city. So that was a given. There were only a few hotels that would accommodate the teams. So the two at the Mall of America were on the short list. Um, then the teams come, they look at them, they look at the accommodations, and they fell in love with it. And I understand they really had a good time. Yeah, I mean, you got two plush hotels out there now on each side of the building. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard some of my uh, media colleagues complaining because they would have, they didn't like that being out in Bloomington completely because they would have rather been downtown. But normally at the Super Bowl, the media is riding around in buses for 30, 40, 50 minutes to get from one hotel to the other. This is right. a, this is the first time I've ever seen them walking from one to the other. Absolutely. And you have the light rail that can take you back and forth. And the Bloomington Hotels actually held quite a few of the media. So they had shuttles every day. And it was really convenient. I We heard we heard that the media really did like like it out there because if they were in a convention center, they really had to commute to anything. And at Mall of America, they could walk around, they could see the teams, they could eat dinner. Um, yeah, they, that, they got, that, gave rave reviews on that. That's the other thing is that most of those uh, radio roles in convention center, there might be a little lunch counter over there. Now you got 40 <laughs> restaurants you can go to at the Mall of America. So it, uh, it, I wouldn't say it came off without a hitch, but it was, uh, it was uh, a phenomenal success in planning. So now how long does it take to wind it down? Well, it'll take physically to get the things off of Nicollet Mall and out of all the buildings we use several, several buildings, will probably take at least, um, you know, a week, week and a half. We'll, we'll go as fast as we can. Um, but to wind it up and close the office will be the end of May. Uh, okay. And uh, you get, you're going to take a year off before you jump back into <laughs> anything, I would guess, huh? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I had a lot of fun, and, and we had such a wonderful team and, and a great board that that really guided us. So, uh we're we're up for another challenge. We just have to find one. Do you any estimate of how many uh, people showed up on the Nicollet Mall uh, each uh, each night? Uh, what were you were um, you doing any estimates? Yes, I, we were doing them every day, and um, I think the final count is is well over a million wow. total. Those buildings um, were packed. The Skyway was packed. I I looked out every day. It's it is an estimate um, because we didn't uh, use the magnetometers for a lot of reasons. Um, and I and it worked beautifully, but it allowed people to jump in and out of buildings without much hassle, and it was absolutely packed. And uh, one of the reports from the uh, the restaurants downtown are they all smiling? Well, it, all the chefs I talked to and all the owners are really happy, really really happy, and uh, and we had several of them yesterday at at our pregame party, and they 
they were glowing, so I'm glad they got business. All right, Maureen, uh, congratulations. And uh, yeah, when it comes back in 26 years, uh, we're probably uh, both uh, not bothered to be involved. Oh, in it, so. we better get it. We better get it sooner than that. Okay. All right, Maureen. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Maureen Bosch, she's the CEO of the uh, Super Bowl host committee. And I'd say they pulled it off. A lot of, uh, they got Minnesotans involved in the thing. I thought that was the. You know, the visitor's fine. Who cares? They're going to show up and party anyway. But the fact that Minnesotans got involved was what amazed me. So we'll be back. Uh, Did you know that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl for the first time on what would have been Jerome Brown's uh, birthday, his 53rd birthday, the great Jerome Brown, wow. who was uh, killed in a uh, car accident. At like tw- age 20, 1992, 27, yeah. 27, 26, okay. 26 or 7. Yeah. The great James Brown, one of the great characters of all time. And I got to repeat this story, which a friend of mine told me. The, he was te- Reggie White's teammate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Reggie was a very religious fellow, very, yeah. but very tight with Jerome, even though Jerome was goofy. And one day they've won a big game, and Jerome's maybe even when they were won a playoff game, and Jerome's Reggie's sitting around his locker and he's talking about God Almighty and how God helped guide them to this victory. And there's 25 reporters, and Jerome's got the got the locker next to him, and Jerome's naked except for a <laughs> towel around his back, you know, and he says, "Out of the way." Swinging, mm, coming through. Oh my swinging, God! Swinging, mm, coming through. Tells the story. Wow. Oh. And I guess even Reggie had to laugh. <laughs> Here's wow. Johnny Height with the sports. Uh, Reggie was like that, though. A lot of his friends were non-believers. Oh, yeah, so Reggie had, right. had a lot. Well, of this guy like played that. at. Uh, you know, played at the my with the crazy Miami Hurricanes when they were at their craziest, <laughs> and they had that they. They walked out of the, before that bowl game, they walked out of the luncheon with the other team, and he said, did the Japanese have lunch with Pearl Harbor before they bombed them? (laughs) You know, the quote issued by Jerome Brown, I think, was also issued by Minnesota Media uh, when Vasante Shanko was (laughs) captured inside the Viking locker room. Here comes swinging. Swinging bleep coming through. uh, Speaking of uh, ex-Eagles stories, you may have seen this picture before, Patrick. I hadn't before today. Chuck Bednarik. After the 1960 championship game? sitting on Jim Taylor. Uh, No, no, sitting in the locker room, still in his uniform, and he's got his pads on still. He had, out of the right side of his mouth, a big cigar. Out of the left side of his mouth, a cigarette. (laughs) Nice. And uh, the famous picture is he basically sat on Jim Taylor for the last 10 seconds. (laughs) And the the Packers were trying to run another play, and Chuck (laughs) wouldn't get up, and they didn't have any rules then. So Chuck just sat on him, and the game ended. This update sponsored by Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. A bad cold and flu season's upon us. The main difference between them is the flu brings a fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, backed by more than 70 clinical studies. Uh, we've got a very quiet night on the local sports scene. That's good, because we're running a little late here. Nobody's playing. Wolves don't play until Wednesday when they're at Cleveland and the Wild play tomorrow night. They're at St. Louis to play the Blues. A uh, Super Bowl caused problems not just for Patriots and their fans, but uh, uh, books 
too. Lost a lot of money, apparently. There, of note, there were several huge seven-figure bets placed on the Eagles that gamblers were able to cash on. A lot of them on the money line, too. Yep. Right? They mm-hmm. weren't taking the, well, the points weren't involved. Not that it would have made any difference, but they if you bet them on the money line, you get the odds in your favor. So. Yep. At MGM Sportsbooks, Jay Rude said they lost $4.5 million on one bet. Mm-hmm. A better place. Yeah, some guy bet three on the money yep, line. Yep, right? on the money line, and the odds were 3-2. to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that guy won $4.5 million. William Hill Sportsbook took a loss of over $4.6 million on How are you three. feeling, Kenny? Mm. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you have that much to spend, and then you double your money. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, that just hurts. Uh, three mm-hmm. separate bets. I'm going to cry. <laughs> three separate bets. You used to work with a guy. Who would have tried that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the last Super Bowl that was here, uh, we were out in Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a much better sp- a space to watch the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Uh, Treasure Island in Las Vegas called the outcome horrible mm-hmm. and disastrous. Well, you know, but the, you know what they'll do? They'll invite everybody back, That's knowing right. that they'll get them the next We time. had to explain to Joe how this worked oh because my he, God. Was, he was worried they were going to go out of business <laughs> because they lost yeah. money. So. It's fun being in a sports book, though, during a big contest like this because people aren't cheering for their favorites. They're cheering for their bet. Oh, yeah. So there's all sorts of different cheering and uh, the cursing at the top <laughs> of their lungs. It's a lot of fun, actually. Well, you know, that the, uh, the Vikings-Eagles game... Uh, Kenny, when they didn't kick the extra point, the uh, the what the what the Viking Vikings Saints game? No, no, when the uh, not the Vikings when the somebody uh, didn't the, the no yeah that's right the Viking Saints game when the Vi- Vikings didn't kick the extra point the Saints covered they right? didn't cover yeah. right yeah that's yeah. usually where the disagreement comes when they either cover or don't cover Those half points uh, make it interesting yeah. yep, yep. Exactly. all right John we'll let you go sounds good. Love Potion number nine, the only song I could think of with number nine in it was this one by The Searcher, Love Potion number nine. Well, yesterday, uh, I start getting texts and tweets from my friends, and then someone makes it official. The Baseball Writers Association of America has a seniority list. Sure. And I had moved up to 10 about three years ago, and nobody wants to be in single digits because then you start planning your funeral, right, (laughs) if you're in single digits. And then they admitted some MLB.com guys that some readmitted the guys that had been in, and then they went to MLB.com, and at first they didn't recognize them. So they let them back in, and two of them, Push or one of them pushed me back to number eleven. Okay, right. Okay, so you're feeling good. I'm on eleven. All right, I'm going the right way. You know, then I can figure I can move up one, and I'll still only be there. 10, you go, you know? sure. And I think I've been eleven for like three years. I don't know what happened to those two guys, but I found out yesterday I'm number nine. Oh no, number nine. That's, uh, you know, I send out condolences to the families of those two people who uh, moved aside. Now, what I can't understand is somebody told me Charlie Walters stayed at 21. How did that happen? So they must have admitted some more people who were senior, uh, okay. senior to Charlie, but not senior to me. But number nine, baby, I remember Ira Burkow 
from the, you know, the great writer mm -hmm. from the New York Times wrote a column about going into going into single digits and seeing your life in front of you, you know, knowing that it's just a this matter of short yeah. time. What is amazing about the seniority list, though, is number two is Sid. Really? But here's the deal. What, what you should know is the Twin Cities did not form a chapter until 1961. Okay. okay. Mm. You had to be, you know, the only people in the Baseball Writers Association are in the cities that have franchises. Okay. So you we, couldn't have one no, unless you had a no. team. Yeah. And Seymour Siwoff uh, is still ahead of Sid. He's a New York guy. And we're hoping for Seymour to, you know, Seymour goes back to sometime in the 50s. And as long as Seymour's hanging in there and doing a live, Sid could never be to get to number one. He's number <laughs> and that's two. that's what you're rooting for. Well, he, you know, he, you get to be number one, you're like the world's oldest man, aren't you? It's all <laughs> well, over. Uh, so help me. Number one again, what's the name of the gentleman? Seymour Siwa. And how old is how old is he? I'm not, he's in his 90s. Okay. But Seymour ran the Elias uh, Sports Bureau for years. But before that, he was a sports writer, I believe. And they just let him stay in because he was running the Elias okay. Sports Bureau. But Seymour is one of the great guys of all time. But he's got stats. You know, you think some of these modern guys have stats coming out of Seymour's their head? Got Seymour's stats. got stats coming out of his head. But being number nine, a little depressing. A little depressing. Did now, you... I joined in 70 because this... Basically, the Pioneer Press wanted me to be available. I wasn't covering baseball that much, but the Pioneer Press wanted me to be available to go out and do locker room stories, okay. during, during clubhouse stories during the season. Mm -hmm. So that was the best way to get access. And my first year covering the beat was 74. So if I started then, hell, I might be 15, 16. But uh, since they put me in in 70, I have, uh, what's that, 48 years of experience. Now, how many people do we have locally? We've got you, you oh, and Sid, you know, Lavelle. We got, a lot. We got uh, the Star Tribune's got 10, you know, oh, editors. Really? And, mm. you know, and the St. Paul's got a few. And uh, AP, you know, the sure. AP guys got them. So, we, Chapter's probably got 25 members. Oh, wow, I didn't I realize know, it was that 20, big. Okay, 20 some members. Well, we, our condolences to you, sir. I, I saw yeah, your tweet right. yesterday, yes. and I just said the one guy that wants to be number nine is number eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to keep, uh, I guess uh, you want to keep moving up rather than create the vacancy. Because <laughs> what did you say? My condolences to num numbers, the families of number, number four and six and or whatever. Or whatever they came. <laughs> yes, right. Now, some of it involves retirement, too, but the joke is... You know, yeah. That uh, you fell off the canoe. Yes, yeah. You're not gonna. <laughs> or fell not out gonna of the canoe too long. <laughs> now nah, being number. So you guys can start referring to me as old number nine. Old number nine. Old number nine. <laughs> we'll put that in the rotation of yes, other things we call that's you. That's right. Old number nine. <laughs> we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick. 3 1 pitch. There's a drive into left field. That ball is going, going, and out of here. Henry Aaron has just tied Babe Ruth in the all time home run parade. On this day in history, February 5th, 1934, Henry Lewis Hammer and Hank Aaron Jr. Uh, was born in Mobile, Alabama. 
Uh, Henry Aaron, of course, uh, then uh, uh, was playing in the, his first baseball, professional baseball career was in uh, 1952 in the Negro Leagues, and he joined the Milwaukee Braves. He, he got signed and played in Eau Claire, the Northern League. That was his first organized baseball team down in Eau Claire, and they got a nice little plaque of him down in front of that great little ballpark. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that ballpark? I can't I remember, remember but I, I remember ballpark. seeing the plaque. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, this was uh, and Henry Henry Aaron was the last guy from the Negro Leagues to still be playing Major League Baseball. Really? He lasted until 1976. Amazing. Uh, hit over 300 for 14 seasons. Uh, hit 40 home runs for eight seasons. And this wasn't a home run, was a home run, okay? Oh, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in May 1970, he became the first player in baseball to record 500 uh, and 3,000 hits. Uh, he broke uh, Babe Ruth's record, of course. And on April 8th, 1974, you just heard that. Crowd of over 50,000 at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. How many guys were chasing him around the bases? I just remember seeing those two guys. Yeah, Yeah. those two guys. I wonder what happened to those guys. Because the way things were going with Henry, with all the death threats he was getting and everything, he had a chance to be afraid of what was going on. And he didn't even flinch. You know, when you watch the video, I'm sure he was filled with anxiety, but he just kept, he didn't break stride, which was so impressive. uh, And that that really got to him. He was once quoted as saying, how he used to go upstairs uh, later in life and read the read the hate mail because it bothered him so much. And mm. uh, but I did tell you guys the great story of the uh, All Star Game party that I took the wife to. Uh, Remind me, I know you've at, told me this story. It was out on uh, it was Bud's private party. Yep. and I got an invite to it, but I introduced my wife. Says, <laughs> "Who's that guy?" I said, "Henry Aaron." She said, "I thought so. I want to talk to him." So I said, okay. So we went over there, and I said, and my wife used to get his autographs at Milwaukee County Stadium okay. when she was a young girl, and her brother was a psycho uh, autograph collector at sure. about nine years old. And he'd say, Katie, go get that guy. <laughs> go get that guy. And she told him the story about chasing him around for autographs, and he thought it was funnier now. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, he, he loved it because he was, you know, he had to, this this. 60-year-old woman come up to him and say, <laughs> I used to chase you around County Stadium at the party. So, Hammer and Hank Aaron. And, of course, MC Hammer. That's where the name comes That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. I remember that little brat hanging around Oakland Coliseum <laughs> when I was a governing team.